0: Do you get it? Wait, it's an interrupting no. cow. He interrupts. That's what Come he does. On. He's a like, moo, right? That right. is so dumb. It's a knock Dumb. Knock it's joke. funny. Hey, Laura. Oh, oh. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins. Not ends. Thou art the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, Jesus. Guys, I I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes. Praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just Uh, that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and being fake. uh. Okay, I I forgive you. Oh, praise you for your grace. Lord Jesus, thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise the Louya. No, I mean like, you know, if if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. Okay. Um Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. No, I I didn't mean that. (laughs) What are you guys doing? Jesus, we're living for you just like we always do. Don't live for me. Live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want...
1: Take a minute and just reflect what this says to you. You know, it's funny. We kind of laugh about it, but at the same time, it's not really funny. You know, I wonder how often do we compartmentalize our lives, compartmentalize our relationship with Jesus, like that video. When we're with him and we're at church or when we're at some religious activity or we're doing something that is God-oriented, We turn it on. We take the posture. But the rest of the time, we're just how we would describe as ourselves, the normal us. I sometimes wonder, is Jesus pursuing a relationship with with us, but we are so busy following the rules or living like a Christian that we're missing out? Why is it that we make it so complicated? Well, good morning again, TBA. I'm really glad all of you guys are here, um, especially if you're new around here. A special welcome to you. Glad you're here. My name is Brian Legg. I'm part of our lead pastor team. We're continuing our series today on Experiencing God, and this is something we've been doing. This is week four on Sunday mornings now. You're in unit three if you're walking through the study with your group, and depending on the day of the week that you're doing it, you may be wrapping up today or you may be about halfway through, um, but we're glad that you're doing that. And you know, one of the cool things that's happening out of Experiencing God as we go through is that we are working to memorize scriptures. And we've been doing this a few weeks in a row now, talking about our memory verses. And I'm going to ask you again this morning, because I want to keep holding you accountable, if someone is brave enough, and not Eric Comiskey, because that boy has carried you guys for the last two weeks. I'm just telling you, he has been carrying the brunt of it. So I want to ask if someone is brave enough to stand and recite your memory verse to me this morning from Unit 3. Not all at once. All right. Awesome. Very good job, Vanessa. Great. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I want to just keep encouraging you. Be doing your daily homework. Be working on memorizing the scriptures. This stuff is invaluable to us. It helps us walking with God, and it's helping us in our relationship. Remember, experiencing God is not designed just to be a program or a study. It's designed to help us build relationship. And that's exactly what I want to explore today is that relationship with God. And I want to give some framework as we jump into it. Relationship really should be simple. But we make it complicated a lot of times, don't we? I mean, when you take relationship and you boil it down to its roots and you take away all the stuff and all the things that we do with relationship, it comes down to this simple idea, time and communication motivated by love. Time and communication motivated by love. It's spending time with somebody, having conversation with the person because you love them. But we make it complicated when it should be simple. Henry Blackaby said this about our relationship with God, and this is page 51 in your workbook if you want to go back and read through it. No matter what your circumstances are, God's love never changes. The cross, the death of Jesus Christ, and his resurrection are God's final, total, and complete expression that he loves you. Never allow your heart to question God's love. Settle it on the front end of your desire to know him and experience him. He loves you. He created you for a love relationship, and he has been pursuing you in that love relationship. Every encounter he has with you is an expression of his love for you. God would cease to be God if he expressed himself in any way other than perfect love. He created you for a love relationship, and he has been pursuing you and that love relationship. Those were statements that just grabbed my heart when I read through that this past week. See, if I'm being honest, I would say I'm not real good at this relationship thing, probably with most anybody. and My wife could probably even confirm that for you if you talk to her. See, I have a bad habit of making things complicated that really should be simple. We were asked this question in our study this past week. If all you had left was your relationship with God, would that be enough for you? Well, of course the answer is supposed to be yes, right? I mean, that, that's all we need is Jesus. It's kind of the Sunday school answer. No matter what the question is, Jesus is the answer, right? But do we live like that's the truth that we hold on to? Do we really believe that? See, for me, I'd say there's way too many times that if I was asked to describe what my relationship with Jesus is like, it'd be kind of like when you asked that question on Facebook, I'd have to say, it's complicated, Now, here's what's interesting. I see that status on people's Facebook page, and I just have to laugh. And if you're one of those that has that status, I'm sorry. I'm going to offend you. But I look at that, and I go, really? What is so complicated? Either you like them or you don't. Either you're with them or you're not. Can't we figure this out? What is complicated about it? And then I think, wow, you hypocrite. Because the truth is, my relationship with Jesus should be that simple, too. Am I really in love with him or am I not? Am I walking in relationship with him or am I not? Am I committed or not? But I make it complicated. I take something that should be simple and make it complicated. Second Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 3, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth here, and he's reminding all of us that it shouldn't be complicated. And I love how it's put in the message. It says, will you put up with a little foolish aside from me? Please, just for a moment. The thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. This is the passion of God burning inside me. I promised your hand in marriage to Christ, presented you as a pure virgin to her husband. And now I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with a smooth pattern, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. Paul's addressing here, what he's addressing here is concerns that he sees in the church of Corinth. He's receiving these messages That the church is basically listening to false prophets. They're listening to other people teach and they're taking on all of these other ideas that are not the simple gospel truth that he has taught the church. And he's trying to speak to that. He says, I'm afraid you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. Could you describe your relationship with Christ like that? A simple, pure love. See, I think for a lot of us, If we're following Christ, we could probably say that, yeah, when I first came to Christ, it looked like that. It was a simple, pure relationship, that great idea. You know, it was all warm and fuzzy and ooey-gooey, and it really was love and relationship. But for a lot of us, over time, we've complicated it. Maybe we've made it about rules and restrictions instead of relationship. Maybe we've made it more about religion than relationship. Why is that? See, I think what Paul was saying to the church in Corinth is true for us today, too. It's really easy for us to read a book or to hear somebody teach or to watch some documentary on TV that has these different ideas and allow those things to distract us and pull us away from the simple, pure love and relationship. It's easy for us to get busy in life. It's easy for us to, to have one thing after the next that distracts us. It's easy for us to compartmentalize everything, to have all of our little boxes for life where we separate everything out. And when we do that, Jesus can only be involved in a portion of our life, whatever portion we allow him to be involved in. And we separate everything out and it pulls us away from him. It's kind of like the video a lot of times. We're hanging with our friends, we're telling jokes, we're being ourselves. And then God shows up and bam, let's assume the posture. And we put on our Christian face. Maybe we don't walk around with our arms out like we're hanging on the cross, but There is that Christian posture that we tend to put forward and share. It's the face that we put before people. See, a real authentic relationship is not where you should have your guard up or have to perform. It's a place that you should feel safe and be able to let your guard down, to just be you. When I'm hanging out with my wife, I don't have to pretend or impress her anymore. She already knows how screwed up I am. But the beautiful news is, I've already won her heart. I know that she loves me. I know that we're walking in relationship. And so no matter how messed up I am, I know that she's committed to me and we're going to walk together in relationship. My kids, that's a whole different story. They don't even get the option because they're depending on me. Isn't that how it works? Kids depend on us. We're providing housing for them and food for them and clothing for them and all of those things. So they've kind of got to be there and be in relationship. And they get me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I would also tell you that it's a relationship motivated by love. I trust that they love me, even days that they don't show it. And I know that they know that I love them. And in fact, I would hope and pray that if you would ask them, they would be able to say, Yes, my daddy loves me. No question. See, the Bible tells us over and over that God's love for us is like the love of a perfect father, it's unconditional. We don't need to impress him. We don't need to do anything to earn his love. He gives it freely even before we enter into a relationship with him. And you see this over and over. 1 John 4, Romans 5, Romans 8, Ephesians 2. The list just goes on and on. All passages that talk about how God loved us even when we were still sinners. Before we entered into a relationship with him, before we took the step of praying and confessing our sins and asking him to be a part of our lives, he loved us. He was pursuing us already. And as a parent, I'm just starting to really understand this. In fact, as my girls get older, I feel like I understand it more and more because I have some amazing girls. God has really blessed me. He really has. And I love my girls desperately, and there is nothing in the world they could do that would ever make me stop loving them. I wouldn't trade them for anything. Now, just like any family, my girls know how to get under my skin faster than anybody else. They know how to push my buttons. They know how to drive me up the wall. They know how to make it all fall apart at times. They can literally break my heart sometimes with the decisions they make. But even in those moments, I don't love them any less. My love never changes for my kids. It doesn't matter what they do, what they say, how they respond. I still love them. I still pursue them. I still want to walk in relationship with them. If you're a parent, you understand that. Now, try to put that in perspective. If we as parents can love our kids like that, how much more perfectly can God love us? Because we're messed up. We're broken people. We don't really grasp unconditional love, but yet we practice it in a lot of ways. And God loves us perfectly, He is perfect. He loves us unconditionally, and He's pursuing us constantly. And he's also inviting us to pursue him in relationship as well. That's really what our verse this week is about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Pursue him, make him a priority. But I would say this is where the problem lies for most of us. Because rather than just pursuing relationship with God, too many times I find that we're pursuing perfection. We're trying to be good enough. We recognize that we're broken, we recognize the sin within us we even recognize the battle that goes on daily between the flesh and the spirit we see all of those things and we know that about ourselves but what are we doing with the brokenness what is the brokenness driving us toward because i think a lot of times we have good intentions but we're often just walking in the wrong direction the truth is when we focus all of our efforts on striving for perfection we fail every time because we're not perfect We're not perfect, and we won't be perfect while we walk this earth. Scripture's clear about that. Romans tells us that all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. None of us is good enough. The only way we can be perfect is to have Christ living in us because it is his perfection that is seen in us. It is his righteousness that is reflected in our lives. He stands in the gap for us making us righteous simply because of who he is, not because of anything we've done. No matter our failures, no matter our sin, God loves us, continues to pursue us, and invite us back into relationship with him. Last week, as Dave was talking, I felt like God just kind of laid a story on my heart, and it was the story of Gomer. You heard of Gomer in Scripture? What a name, right? Who would name their kid Gomer? Uh, I just got to wonder sometimes. But the story of Gomer is found in the huge book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Hopefully, you've read it recently Obviously not, because nobody's really cracking a smile. Hosea is like five pages long in the Old Testament. Really, really long story. But the story of Hosea and Gomer is where God goes to Hosea as his prophet, and he says, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. And I want you to have children with that prostitute because I want a living practical example of how my people, Israel, are treating their relationship with me. Watch how the story begins to unfold. Hosea 1, starting in verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of... Die Blame, I guess, is his name. they just got all kinds of crazy names in this book. And she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Now, the story goes on that Gomer bears Hosea several children, and God gives very specific names to each of the children. They're representative of different things about the condition of the relationship between God and Israel. But the most important part of the story that stood out to me, and this is what God laid on my heart last week, was how even after Hosea has reached out to Gomer, Even after he's followed the Lord's command and he's brought her into his home, he's loved her, he's provided for her, he's supported her, he's shown her a love that she's never known, brought her into an intimate relationship. Even then, you see Gomer walk away from that relationship, walk away from his protection, walk away from him, and go and give herself to prostitution again. And each time she does it, because she does it multiple times, God instructs Hosea, go and bring her back. Go and pursue her. Buy her back and bring her. There's a great example in chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and loved to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Not only was Gomer unfaithful to Hosea, But when he went and pursued her to bring her back into relationship, he actually had to buy her back. He had to buy her out of the position that she was in. Is this sounding familiar? It's exactly what Christ did for us. He paid the price for us to bring us into relationship. He pursued us. God pursues us in relationship. This whole story of Hosea and Gomer is a picture of how God is pursuing us in relationship. And when we allow things to come between us and God, he still pursues us. He comes after us. He buys us back and invites us back into relationship with him. Now, I'm just guessing here, but I'm going to bet that not one of you has ever described your relationship with God and used the word prostitute in the process. Right? You are really quiet today. Has anybody ever used the word prostitute as you thought about your relationship with God? Of course not. We don't think of ourselves that way. We don't, we don't walk like that. We don't see it that way. But in reality, so many times, that's how we live. That's how we live. God invites us into the most intimate relationship that we can ever experience. And we betray him by allowing countless distractions and sin to pull us away. We betray him by living our lives in that compartmentalized fashion where we have all the boxes and God's only a part of a certain portion of our lives. We betray him by working and striving to be perfect, to be the perfect Christians, to follow all the rules instead of just depending on, the, on him and the turning to the relationship. See, remember, relationship is designed to be simple. Spending time with and communicating with. Motivated by love. Time and communication motivated by love. I hear people all the time talk about they want to know God or know more about God. And that's good, but the truth is that comes naturally in relationship. Think about it like this when you started dating, or if you have started dating, none of you should be dating yet, by the way. I just want to point that out and keep it clear. But if you have begun dating, or if you remember when you began dating, Did you say, oh, I just want to get to know the person? Well, you might have, but the truth is, you were dating because you were attracted to that person, because you wanted to be with them, you wanted to spend time with them. Getting to know them is kind of like a byproduct of that process. You want to be with them, you're attracted to them. You might even be in love with them, or at least thinking maybe you're in love with them, and you're exploring that. And our relationship with God really is the same. We've got to spend time with him. We need to be attracted to him. We should be following him in that way. We have to be talking to him regularly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Never stop praying. How would you like to have that for your memory verse next week? I bet more of you would stand up and say it, right? Never stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We should be in constant conversation with God. We should be sharing everything with him. Taking all of our needs, our desires, our thoughts Our struggles, our excitements, our joys, our sorrows, our pain, our frustrations, our anger, everything. He's a friend that sticks closer to a brother, Scripture tells us. What do we do in those close relationships? We share our heart. We share the things that we're walking through, whether it's good or bad. We're transparent. We put those things out there, and it helps us to be able to to voice that, and it helps to have somebody that can speak back into that and give us perspective, right? Right? So why is it that so often when we talk to God, we're afraid to be that way? Why is it that when we talk to God, we're afraid to express our emotion and put those things out there, especially if we're angry over something? I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and he was just talking about everything that was going on in Puerto Rico, and he's from Puerto Rico, and he was expressing his frustration of, I just don't understand this. I don't understand the devastation, and I feel so helpless. And he said, you know, me and God, I guess you'd say we were fighting today. And I had to go back and apologize because of the things that I felt like I said. And I went, Well, why? Do you think God can't handle that you're frustrated and you're angry and you don't understand? He's big enough to handle those things. He's big enough to handle our emotion and our fears and our struggles the same as He can handle our excitement and our joys. He already knows what we're thinking. Why be scared of saying it? We need to talk to Him regularly. But just like any other relationship, we also need to be good about listening. And one of the primary ways we can listen to God is through his word. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word is alive. It's how he speaks to us most often. In fact, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would remind us of everything that he's taught us, John 14. But keep in mind as you think about that, The Holy Spirit can only bring to mind something that you've already put in your brain. If you haven't read it, if you haven't heard it, if you haven't experienced it, how is he going to help you recall it? It's got to be there in the first place. Last week was a great example when God brought the story of of Gomer to my mind. I mean, how many times do you walk around all day long thinking about Gomer? Okay, maybe some of y'all are just weird, but I don't do that. That's not the normal thing. You don't think about that story. But had I not read that, he couldn't have brought that back to my mind. And it was such a great story to illustrate how God loves us and pursues us and comes after us. We've got to be putting his word into our hearts so that the Holy Spirit can bring that back up and help us to recall it. That's how he helps us to have interaction with others, to have conversation, to bring people along in their journey. The only way we can truly walk in relationship with Jesus is to spend regular time with him. Reading his word, praying, listening. And see, the truth is you and I are very blessed and sometimes we don't even realize it because we don't have to have a priest or a mediator to speak to God for us. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we can go directly to God. There was a day this past week I was reading through some things. I ended up in Exodus 33, and if you're familiar with the story, it's Moses with the, the Israelites. They've just come out of Egypt, and they're making their way towards the Promised Land. And God says to Moses, you know, take them on up into the Promised Land. And you and I both know that the way the story fell out, that, that generation of Israelites didn't even make it to the Promised Land because they were so stubborn and turned their hearts against God. So they're having this conversation. But here's what stuck out to me. It has nothing to do with the rest of the story. I was just giving you context. Here's what stuck out to me. In that chapter in 33, you see this picture of Moses going to the tent of meeting to talk with God. And as you begin to understand what was going on there, they would take the tent of meeting and set it up outside of the main camp where the Israelites were camped. And so when Moses would go to the tent of meeting to meet with God, he would walk basically through town and through the camp, and all of the other Israelites would come out and stand at the door of their tent, and they would watch Moses walk to the tent of meeting to meet with God. And it says that when Moses walked into the tent of meeting... That the cloud, the, pre, the cloud of God's presence would come and hover over the door and Moses would meet with God. He would talk with God. And then it says these words. And the people would wait anxiously to hear from Moses what God had said. They would wait for Moses to come back and tell them what God had said. You and I don't need Moses. We get to go into the tent of meeting ourselves and have that face-to-face conversation with God. We get the cloud of his presence to come and speak to us and be in that relationship. And yet too many times we spend our time looking for Moses. We spend our time looking for somebody to be that mediator for us. We look for the pastor to be able to speak what God's saying to us. Or we look to some other Christian leader that we know, that we think will help us understand what God's saying instead of spending the time in relationship where God can speak directly to our hearts. I was talking with Sherry Carey in the office this past week, and she mentioned just how cool it is that as we go through experiencing God, that, you know, you, you read through your study that week, and you're studying this particular idea, and she said, you know, and then we come in on Sundays, and you're teaching on that same idea from stage, and said, so, you know, it's just neat how God has kind of primed our hearts, and everything comes together, and I feel like I'm, I'm so connected when I come in on Sundays, and she's absolutely right, and that's all great. The truth is, we shouldn't need experiencing God to get that, though. Experiencing God is a great tool to help us do that. And I love the way all the, the themes come together and we can have these casual conversations outside and it, it all you know, pieces it together where we're talking about the same things. But the truth is, if we were walking in relationship day in and day out all the time, no matter what we read, you'll be shocked at how God will take the stuff that you've read that week, take the time that you've spent with him in prayer and connect all the dots for you when you come into a setting like this and we're worshiping together and we're learning together. Because that's what relationship looks like. It is, it is us continually priming the pump, walking in relationship, getting to know God better, learning who he is, and allowing him to speak to our hearts. Instead of walking in a Sunday morning looking for Moses, looking for somebody to tell us what God's saying, we've spent the time with him in relationship and allowed him to speak to our hearts. Henry Blackaby put it this way in our study this week. People who struggle to spend time with God don't have a scheduling problem. They have a love problem. People who struggle to spend time with God don't have a scheduling problem. They have a love problem. That's true. And that's true in any relationship. Your spouse, your close friend, whoever it may be, could tell you the same thing. The things that are most important to us, we make time for the things that are most valuable to us, we can come up with the funds to do. We invest in those things that are important to us. People who struggle to spend time with God don't have a scheduling problem. They have a love problem. So let's keep it simple this morning. In a nutshell, here it is. God loves you deeply and intimately. He's constantly inviting you into deeper relationship with, you, with him, and he is constantly pursuing you the question is this. Do you love him? Is that relationship enough? Are you pursuing him? Is he your priority? Is he really getting your time and attention? If you step back and look at your life and what you're investing in, whether it be your money, your time, your efforts, your talents, anything, what's most important? And if God is not the most important, if he's not that priority, what are you going to do about it? Band, you guys come on up. This morning, I'm not going to tell you specifically how to respond. You know, we do this a lot of weeks where we invite you specifically to come to the stage and pray or to go to next steps or, you know, like last week, we gave you a card and had you write some things and bring it and present it. And and those are always good tools that we use in our church services. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to just Just take some time to sit with God, to listen, to pray, to just be in relationship, and see what God says to you. I'm not worried about how you respond. If you want to come pray, come pray. If you want to go to Next Steps, go to Next Steps. We'd be happy to talk with you, pray with you. Maybe you need to go to somebody and extend forgiveness or ask forgiveness or whatever the case may be. I I don't know what God may lay on your heart. But don't just look to me to tell you that. Don't look to someone beside you to tell you what that looks like. Look to Him. Take some time in relationship. As the band sings its first song, I would ask you just to kind of sit and reflect and have that time just with God. Where are you in your walk with Him? Is He priority in your life? Are you investing in the relationship? Are you pursuing him as much as he's pursuing you? And if not, what's he asking you to do about that? Then you respond as he leads. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We thank you that you do constantly pursue us, God. Even even when we fall away from you even when we allow distractions to come in between us God even when we're like Gomer and we essentially prostitute ourselves to other idols in our lives to other things that get in the way when we invest in the wrong places when we allow our priorities to become skewed yet you love us and you pursue us God speak to our hearts now Allow us to sense your amazing love for us. Allow us in these next few moments just to sit in your presence. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be thick in this place this morning. That we would sense how you are moving, how you're speaking, how you're at work. God, help us to quit depending on someone else to be Moses in our lives and instead to realize the amazing blessing we have to be able to come to you and to walk in relationship with you. Direct our hearts today. May we honor you in our actions.